everybody? Everybody's doing? Good? All right. It's <clears throat> so very, very quiet today. Very quiet crowd. You guys here? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Can you guys wave? You guys here? Okay. Robert's here. Okay. Hello, Robert. Okay. Um, I, have to, I have to share a little bit, too, from this trip. Uh, I loved it, and um, I was really, really looking forward to going there. And something, something kind of that stood out to me, I'll just share real quick, um, is when we're in Jerusalem, and uh, there's, there's a lot of places in Israel where Jesus walked, and they kind of they celebrate where Jesus was. You know, this is where Jesus prayed, and this is the mountain that he went up, and this is where Jesus, uh, you know, this is where they kept him before they went on the cross. And there's a lot of places that kind of celebrate where Jesus was. Uh, most of them make a lot of money off of, you know, off of Jesus. And, um, you know, and one of the places is a, is a big old temple, not, not really a temple, but they celebrate where Jesus, where he died and where he was buried. Uh, the cross, the place of the cross and the place of the, of the tomb where, where he was buried. Well, that's where they believe. There's kind of two sites. They're not sure which one it is. Um, what's that? The Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Thank you, Roman. Uh, that place. And so we went there, and, and they have all these, man, where there's like hundreds of people there, and there's this huge, there's a, there's a lot, of, lot of people waiting, and they're looking at all these different things. There's like different like ceramic, like little, it's almost like idols. I mean, like it, it, I have a video that shows it, and it's almost like they're bowing down to them. And, and, then, and you just, you go in there, and it smells kind of funky, they got some kind of incense going on, and, and there's some kind of, you feel this dead, kind of this dead religion, and, and what, was, what was funny is, is the place where, um, where the, the Holy Spirit came down, that house, they don't really have much there, it's a building, it's, it is not, there's no stores around it, there's no like, you know, they're not selling anything right there, it's just kind of a building, you come in there, you look, you look, you can pray there. Um, that's probably the best place, but everything else is so commercialized and it's so dead, you know, and, it, and I just saw how people, they're so willing to celebrate religion, right? They were so willing to celebrate where Jesus walked and this is where, where Jesus died here and, and they're celebrating where Jesus was, but, you know, they kind of forget the fact that Jesus isn't in the grave anymore. You know, Jesus is alive. He got out of the grave. He, we're not, we don't have to celebrate, you know, where Jesus was. Yeah, those places are great, but, but man, it's like people are so focused and, and, and they're so religious. They're just, they're coming down and they're bowing in front of these little idols and they're just kind of, you know, and, and, and it looks like idol worship. Like I, I, like I came in there, you guys remember the place where Paul, um, he was in the, uh, he came to Athens and he came to the city and it says he was mad. He was provoked in his spirit because uh, he saw all this idol worship and I was like, Maybe I didn't feel like that, but I felt just like, man, what is going on? This is like, like what, 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 are, what are people doing over here? And, and I even asked one of the guys, I'm like, hey, like, uh, do, do you believe in this kind of stuff? Or you know, do, what, do you know what you're doing? Do you believe it? He's like, yeah, yeah, I believe it. I'm like, okay, you believe that you're saved? Like, he's like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, you know, the Bible says that we're supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be sure that we're saved. And he's like, yeah, well, I don't read the Bible. I'm like... Well, that's your problem right there. Everything you're doing is, is worthless, is pointless. And he's like, yeah, well, he started talking to me about physics, and that's, that's the way to salvation is through physics. I was like, 
you know what, I'm done. I don't want to talk to this guy. But it's just, it's just so sad that people are so willing to celebrate where Jesus was, but they don't want anything to do with the, with the real Christ, with the, with the actual risen Savior who's alive. They, just, they, they want to come to his grave and, and, and mark off like, hey, I was here. You know, mark, put a check mark there. But, um, I mean, other than that, it, it, you, you know, you just see the religion. But you know what? Praise God that we have a living Christ, amen, that we don't serve a dead God, we don't serve some God that's in the grave, we serve a living God who died for us and he rose and now he's seated at the right hand of God and now we're, he's praying for us, so um, I just want to share that, amen, praise God, he is so good. So before we, before we begin, I want us to pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us tonight um, so that he would be the one that would make this word alive. Lord, we thank you tonight for, for, this, for this time that we have together. God, we praise you that you are the living God. We thank you, Lord, that you, you, you're, not, you're not dead in the grave, but Jesus, you rose again. You rose on the, third, on the third day, Lord, and you are seated at the right hand of God. We thank you that you're living inside of us. Thank you, Lord, that we have your word and that we have your truth. God, we praise you today, and I pray that you would make this word alive in our hearts. Lord, make this word real to us. Lord, let this word be alive. God, I pray that you would speak to every single person tonight. Speak. Lord, use this word to speak. God, help me to preach this word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, All right, so I want to talk about this subject. Um, I know... Guys, don't get too excited about this, okay? Just please, I promise me you won't get too excited. Um, it's an exciting subject. I want to talk about self-discipline tonight, the self-discipline of a Christian. I can just feel this just like everyone's so excited about it. <laughs> I know it's not the best excited, exciting message. It's not something that people, you know, I, you guys might not shout me down, you know, you you know, I might not hear a lot of, you know, hallelujah, glory to God, cream and sauce. But it, it's something that is so important for a Christian is, is the self, self-discipline. Um, it might not be an exciting message, but it's something that I believe is going to help us. Um, you know, Jesus, he said this. He said uh, in Luke 9.23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, like if you want to be saved, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to be considered someone that is a follower of Jesus Christ, that means, you know, someone that's saved, you have to deny yourself. That is one of the main um, I don't want to say foundations of Christianity because Jesus is the foundation, but one of the main staples of Christian living is the, the thought of denying yourself. It's, it's self-discipline. It is taking something. It's not having what you want, putting it away, putting it aside and saying, I'm not going to have this. So this could, so, so to, to have something better in the future, I'm going to deny myself right now. This, this idea is something that is, that is, Jesus said, if you want to be a follower, if you want to follow after me, if you want to be my disciple, you must first of all deny yourself. It's something that Jesus said, this, something that we need to do. Um, self-discipline 
or um, self-control, self-discipline. This isn't kind of one of those things that's kind of optional that it's for some people, but it's not for other people. You know, self-discipline is for every single one of us. You know, self-discipline, it's not like one of those things like, you know, at the end of the school year, your teacher gives you, you know, like a big thing, like a big packet of homework. And she's like, here, you know, if you're bored, if you have nothing to do, here's some homework, you know, take this and just do it just for fun, you know. And, and, and if, you, if it doesn't count for your grade, just here, take it and do it. You know, how many people actually do that big packet that, that, that you get? Like nobody, right? You know, you're like, man, why is she giving me this? I'm going to throw this away as soon as I have a chance. As soon as I get out the door, it's going in the garbage. I'm not going to do that during summer break. You know, it, you know, that's optional, right? This is not one of those optional things. Self-discipline is not something that's for some Christians. Like if you just, if you have some spare time, if you're not bored, why don't you, you know, deny yourself? Or why don't you have some self-discipline? No, that's, it's, it doesn't work like that. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, like if you want to be saved, um, if, if you want to have a part of me, you need to deny yourself. Um, and tonight, we're not talking about like a worldly kind of self-discipline. Right? We're not talking about, you know, there's, there's a worldly self-discipline where you can go on any YouTube video, you can check it out. There's a bunch of, you know, people post, will post something about self-discipline and, you know, people talk about how you can, you know, get off Facebook for a little bit so you can focus, so you can get yourself, you know, better in the, in the career choice that you're doing or, or when, whatever it is, sports you know, people have become successful and they've used uh, self-discipline to get them up the ladder, right? Whatever it is, politics, sports, uh, career, whatever it is, music, people have used self-discipline to get themselves up, you know, in, in, in this ladder, whatever they're doing. Uh, but we're t- tonight, we're not talking about a worldly uh, kind of self-discipline because the Bible says whatever is uh, the wisdom of this world, the wisdom of this world is foolish uh, before God, right? We read that today, that the wisdom of this, whatever is good in this world is foolishness before God. Whatever the world esteems as something, you know, great, it, it doesn't matter before God. But tonight we're talking about the self-discipline of a Christian. What is the Christian? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? You know, Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26, he said, I run thus. Now with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should, have be, should become disqualified. So Paul said, I, I make myself, I make my body do whatever I need it to do, do what, whatever it needs to do, so that I can be qualified to do what I'm called to do. And so self-discipline is something that, it's not just for, you know, like if, if, if you decide, okay, this, this will be good for you. It's something that is necessary, something that we need to do. Um, so let's turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, starting from verse, chapter, uh, verse 4, sorry, chapter 4, verse 6. And we'll read it down to the end. Why not? <clears throat> Chapter 4, verse 6. Um, I'm going to read 6 to 15. 16. 6, 6 to 16. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith 
and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables, and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. Somebody say bodily exercise. It profits a little bit. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. Till I come, give attention to the reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself. This is Dima's, I think this is his favorite verse. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. All right, let's go back to verse 6. So it says, he's talking to Timothy, Paul's talking to Timothy, saying, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. What things is he talking about? What things is he saying to instruct? He's talking about the word of God. He's saying, listen, uh, instruct the people with the words that I give you. Basically, the words of God. This, this, is from, this is the message that God has. He says, reject profane and old wives' fables. So he's saying, focus on the word of God and reject old wives' fables. What are old wives' fables? This is, this is things that, that in, back in the time during the first Christian period, they had kind of, um, kind of things that started coming out, kind of weird things, and they weren't sure. Was it true? Was it not true? You know, they had in the Jewish, uh, the, the, Jew, the Hebrew writers, they had like, you know, the Talmud where they had kind of different stories and they weren't sure whether they were true or not. They were kind of spooky and weird and they're just, they, they weren't sure. And, and in the New Testament, not in the New Testament, but in the New, um, during the, 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 the time of the first church, they had a lot of writings that they weren't sure if this was true miracles, was it made up? And so there were kind of tales, old wives' fables, kind of, you know, myths that they weren't sure if it's real, if it's not real. And, um, and so Paul says, don't focus on that stuff. He said, reject that stuff, but exercise yourself toward godliness. He says, reject the, the, the myths, reject the old wives' fables, but look at what, what is right, what is from God. Why? Because, you know, today we have, today we have Christians that, that are, that are um, kind of, they, they're in this kind of spooky, weird kind of thing, you know, where they're like, Oh, there's an angel over there. Oh, the, did, you, did you guys see that angel? It's over there. Oh, look, there's a, there's a feather right here. Look, look at this feather right here. You know, there's kind of this kind of weird Christianity where, where it's kind of, you're not sure. Is this from God? Is this not? Is this, is this kind of something that people did? And, you know, there's people that are very super spiritual, like, God, what cereal am I going to have today for breakfast? You know, what, what, what? Like, what, 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 where, where do you want me to go today? It's just kind of, kind of spooky, weird, kind of fruity Christians, you know? 
But, but, but the Bible says reject the profane, re- reject the old wives' fables, reject those things that are not sound doctrine. And he says, carefully follow the sound, dro- the sound doctrine that, I, that I'm telling you. Right? And then he says, exercise yourself toward godliness. Exercise. See, today we have this, there's a phrase. It's called, if it's too good to be true, or then it probably is, right? If it's too good to be true, then you probably can't really believe it. Um, we woke up one, one morning, we woke up, and I got like a text message that said, like if, like, if you buy right now, if you act now, you can buy these sunglasses for like $14 or $15, but they're like Oakley sunglasses. They're like really good. They're like $200 glasses, but you need to buy right now because they're really good quality glasses. And I looked at it, I'm like, I checked it out, I'm like, man, this kind of looks a little fishy. You know, I'm just not going to buy it. Because, you know, if it's too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. You know, today there's a lot of, you know, you hear a lot of things like, you know, if you act now, if you buy this, you know, if you buy this in the next 20 minutes, you'll get, you know, 50% off and you'll get, you know, a second pair of something and you'll get, you know, little scissors also that come with it. You know, and, and if you act now, just you need to buy it right now. Don't think about it, just buy it. You know, and, and, and these kinds of things, you know, some people, they, 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 they catch on, you know, they're like, huh, maybe I'm going to get this. You know, if you, if you buy this, this set of DVDs, you'll learn three languages in three months. You know, or you buy it for $500. And you're like, man, that's such a great thing. I'm just, I'm just going to throw money into it. But, you know, it doesn't really work. Uh, because why? Because it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not real. It's too good to be true, you know. It's, it's not something that's actually that you have to put hard work into. It's just a shortcut. You know, today we have Christians that want to take a shortcut into the kingdom of heaven. You know, they want to take a shortcut with, with God. They're just kind of, I'm going to kind of, uh, you know, everyone else has to pick up the cross and follow, follow Jesus. Everyone else has to deny their flesh. But I'm just kind of going to, I have this back door into heaven that I'll just kind of slip in and I'm just going to make it in without really having to do the hard work. You know, today there's a lot of Christians that are, they, they don't want to do the hard work that it takes uh, to get into heaven. They just want the, the easy path, you know. Uh, there's preachers that, that they're like, okay, you know, people are like that. They're, they jump all over it. They're like, hey, you know, if you, if, you, if you support my ministry for, you know, if you act now and you buy, you know, this, this set of, you know, crosses, wooden crosses, you know, and you give $30 or 3333 for the next three months, you'll get, you know, 30 days of special favor. And, you know, God will be with you, you know, and, and just kind of these weird things. And, and today we, we see like, you know, people, they, you know, they, they give their money to that kind of stuff. Why? Because people are looking for a shortcut to get, you know, to get something from God. Right? People are looking for a shortcut. People are looking for something that will help them to get closer to God, but they don't have to put the hard work into it, right? But he says, reject that kind of stuff. Don't look at that. But he says, exercise yourself toward godliness. Exercise yourself toward godliness. You know, it, it, in the Bible, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. In other translations, actually, in the King James, New King James says sound mind. Other translation, it says self-discipline or self-control. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of uh, power, love, 
and self-discipline or self-control. So God has given us this, this spirit. You know, today as Christians, we kind of, we think that everything is given to us on a silver platter. Who was it? I think it was, um, was it Victor Kuralienka, right, that, that was here? I think he was saying that today, Christians, we, ex- we, we want everything to be for free. We want everything given to us. That we forget that there's things that we got to pay a price for. You know, like he was saying that, you know, you get saved. It's not, it's not a, you don't work for it. It's a gift, right? Nobody had to pay for their salvation. You know, to, you, you, you become a child of God that's given to you. You become, you know, there's so many blessings that come with that. Your, your, na- your, sins, are all for, your sins are forgiven. The Holy Spirit was given by a gift, right? Nobody had to pay money to get the Holy Spirit. And so everything is given as a gift. And you're like, man, God is so good. He's given me all these free gifts. But then we forget that there's so many things that we need to work hard for. You know, and that we have been given a spirit of self-discipline, right? One of the, the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit is what? Self-control, right? We've been, given, we've been given a fruit of self-control, right? There's love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, patience, kindness. I skipped those. And self-control. Uh, it's a fruit. And we're like, man, God has given us self-control. That's great. It's a fruit. That means we got to work for it. That means we got to cultivate it. That means, you know, we have to do something for this fruit to grow, right? You, you don't just like say, oh, God gave me a spirit of patience or, or, or the, the fruit of patience. I'm just patient everywhere. I go, I sit behind, you know, in traffic. I'm in my car driving and I just have patience. And I just said, God, give me patience. And I'm just patient. I'm just the most patient driver in the world. It just kind of comes automatically, you know? And I'm driving behind someone that's going 10 miles under the speed limit, and I just have so much love and joy and patience. It's just so great, right? No, nah, no, nah, it's not like, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but we got to work for it, right? You got to work to have patience, amen? You got to work to have joy. You got to, these things take work. It doesn't just come automatically. It doesn't just hit you upside the head, and you're like, man, I got all this self-control. No, this is something that we need to uh, we need to cultivate this in our life. God has given us a spirit of self-discipline. God has given us the ability to have self-control. Right? People in this world, they don't have self-control. Right? No matter what they do. It, you know, people, they have, they look like they have self-control. Right? It looks like they got everything together and everything is good and they're successful. And man, they, they're just this great person. But then, you know, somewhere... Because the devil, he won't let people just, you know, have everything, you know, just great. He's going to have a hook somewhere, you know. And some people, they, they, it looks like they have everything under control, but they have an anger issue that comes out every now and then. You know, I have people at work that just, they're successful and there's a great person, but they get mad and they just start cursing like a sailor. And they're just like, man, where did this come from? Like, and they tell other people, like, hey, you know, watch your language. But, but they themselves are just, you know, they just go off and they just can't control themselves. You know, homosexual people, they can't control themselves. They can't control their lusts. And people in this world, they can't control. They don't have a spirit of self-control, right? The devil, he, he's got something. He, he's got a, a piece of his because they're a child of the devil. But we have been given the spirit of self-control, 
Right? God wants us to, to have self-discipline, to have the spirit of self-control in our life where we can control our emotions, we can control our desires, we can control uh, what we do, how, how we do it, what we, what we say. Um, God has called us to this, but it takes our work. It takes, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of, it says, train yourself, exercise yourself toward godliness. Exercise yourself. That means train. That means work hard for it, right? You know, and nobody picks up a basketball and, you know, and like, oh, man, I'm the greatest player in the world. And just starts, you know, playing and they're just amazing. It doesn't happen. Even Michael Jordan had to train. He had to exercise. Did he have the potential? Yeah, he had potential. He had that in him. But did he have to exercise? Yeah, he had to train himself. No, no, no Nobody just you know, picks up a, an instrument and becomes a great player. It takes time. It takes work. And here he's saying, Paul is saying, exercise yourself toward godliness. You have, this is something that we have to work at. This is, we have to work out our, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We have to exercise. It takes time. It, 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 it takes our effort. You know, like you don't plant a seed in the ground and the next day you come and it's a huge apple tree. You know, it doesn't happen. It takes, it takes time. You have to plant it. You have to cultivate it. You have to, you have to work at it, right? And, but exercise, he says bodily exercise. Verse, look at verse number 8. Bodily exercise profits a little. So bodily exercise is, is good. It's a, it's a little bit good. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So bodily exercise profits a little bit, right? It's, it's a little bit good, right? Do you guys agree with that? It's a little good. Yeah, there's a little benefit. But what is he talking about? He's not only talking about, about um, he's not only talking about like exercising, like he's like, okay, you guys got to exercise. It's good for you. You need to exercise. He's not only talking about exercise. He's talking about anything that benefits us in this life, you know, where exercise is good. You know, having a, having a good job. That's good. Uh, having a good, you know, education, that's good. Having, you know, things in this world that, that we... It's good to have things. He's talking about things that benefit us in this life. Is it good to have? Sure. It profits us a little bit. Why a little bit? Why not a lot? Because we only have it for this life, right? We only have it for what? 70, 80 years? That's about it. But he says godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. So he's saying godliness, training yourself for godliness is good for not only this life, but the life that is to come. It's is good for not, not just today, but it's good for, for eternity. It's something that will benefit us in this life and in eternity. You know, man, people today, they give themselves completely just so they can have something in this world. They give themselves just so they can have, you know, athletes give themselves completely just so they can have an award, just so they can have 15 minutes of fame. You know, today we have, you know, people are just, they, they work hard, they work super hard just so they can have a good job, so they can have a good house, so they can have a good car. And what is the benefit of that? You know, they have it in this life. Is it profitable? Sure. Just a little bit, right? Not too much. But the Bible says godliness is profitable for this life and the life that is to come. 
This is the faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. He says, for this end we both labor and suffer reproach or we work hard because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men. Later he says, meditate, verse 15, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident by all. So we do these things not just for today, but we are exercising our, ourselves for godliness, not just for today, but for eternity. It's something that will last with us for all of eternity. What are some of the things that we are exercising in, or what are some of the um, kind of, you could say, spiritual disciplines? What are we supposed to do to, uh, to have this? I'm not going to talk about a lot of them. I'm just going to mention a couple of them. But I want, what I want to do tonight is I want to um, kind of lay the, the foundation or, or kind of try to explain the things of why we need to uh, have spiritual discipline. Why do we need to discipline ourselves spiritually? What are, what are the reasons for it? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give a couple things of the things that we need to do, that we need to make sure that we have in our life. Are you guys good? Everybody's good tonight, yeah? You guys, you guys awake? You guys kind of seem a little sleepy. Am, 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 I, am I saying something that's, that's a little boring? Or? Cream and sauce. Cream and sauce, hallelujah. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure you guys don't, don't fall asleep on me. All right, uh, one of the things that we need to have, kind of I would say this is the staple of, of, uh, of, a, of a Christian, of Christian discipline, is the Word of God. The Word of God is the foundation is, you know, just as Jesus is the foundation of our life, the Word of God, Jesus is the Word of God, the Word of God is the foundation for a Christian's life. The Word of God is the foundation for our discipline. The Word of God is the foundation for our Christian discipline. Every single day, we need to have the Word of God. The Word of God, you can write this down, the Word of God is the single most important thing in this life. Period. Is the most important thing that we have is the Word of God. There is nothing that is of greater value for us than the Word of God. Why the Word of God? If we don't have the Word of God, we don't have anything. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to pray. We don't know anything about God. We don't know about the Holy Spirit. We don't know, um, you know about the Trinity. We don't know anything without the Word of God. The Word of God is our foundation. If if we want to grow as a Christian in our discipline, we need to first and foremost, we need to have the Word of God in our heart. The Word of God is the thing that needs to be, um, is the most important thing as a Christian. The Word, uh, taking it in every single day. Every single day, uh, we need to be reading the Word, preferably in the morning, you know, and and it's funny, you talk to people and, and, and you ask them, you know, hey, you read your Bible? Ah, no, not really. Um, you know, why not? Well, it's kind of hard for me. And well, well, you know, you're supposed to read it in the morning. Yeah, but in the morning I'm kind of, I'm tired and I'm a little, you know, I don't feel like reading. And, and you know, the Word of God is, is you know, I want to say that, it, that it, it, it has to be a discipline. I, want, I wish I could say the Word of God is a delight. And it's just like you wake up every morning and you're like, man, I can't wait to read the Word. And, you know, I can't go to work. I can't go to school if I don't first read, read the Word. You know, I just, I'm just so hungry for the Word. 
You know, I wish we could say that, right? That would be great. Um, But, you know, like, I don't know about you guys in the morning, I'm hungry. Like, I need to eat, you know, and my flesh is just like, you know, don't forget to feed me. I wish we could say, you know, the word of God is, is like, like, it's just so necessary that our spirit is like, don't forget to feed me. And we just, we can't do anything unless we first read the word of God. I wish we could do that. But the fact is we have a flesh that gets in the way that stops us from reading the word a lot of the times. You know, our flesh is our biggest enemy because our spirit, man, it always wants to read the word of God. In the morning, at night, whenever, the spirit always wants to read the word. The spirit is always hungry to read the word. The spirit's like, man, feed me. I'm hungry. But our flesh, the problem is we're so uh, full of our flesh. We, a lot of times we, 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 we're not controlled completely by the spirit because we live in this world. And we can't really do anything about that. Uh, but what we, need, what we need to do is allow the spirit to control us. And sometimes, you know, I don't ask myself... Do I feel like reading my Bible in the morning? Do I feel like praying in the morning? I don't feel, I don't ask myself. Because when you're, when you're, uh, when you're disciplining yourself, you don't ask yourself, do I feel like doing this or not? Right? If you're, if like some, someone's on a diet, you know, they don't ask themselves, do I feel like eating this, you know, piece of chocolate cake or this donut? Do I feel like it? Of course, you feel, of course you feel like it if you're, you know, if you're trying to watch what you're eating. Of course you're going to watch it. Of course you're, you're going to want to eat it. But are you going to do it? No. Why? Because you don't, you don't ask yourself, do I feel like it or not? You just do it because it's the right thing, right? You just, you don't eat it because you're not supposed to eat it. Well, this, in this case, is vice versa. We read the Bible not because we necessarily feel like reading it, but because we know we have to read it, you know, I don't ask myself, do I feel like reading the Bible today? You know, I don't. I just, I have a set time. Every single morning I read, when I wake up, one of the first things I do is read the Bible. When I, when I come to work, I have a break. I read then there also. We need to have a time, where a set time where, where this is when I'm reading the Bible. This is when I'm going to, I have a time. Uh, it's laid out. I know I'm not going to miss it. You know, every day, you know, is different. Sometimes we do miss it. And that's okay. That's, the point is not to, you know, every single day. The point is to be in the Word, every, to be in the word as much as we can. That's the point. And, and this is the first thing. Without, without having a discipline in the Word, we really, we don't have anything. We don't have any Christian, we don't have any godliness if we're not disciplined in the Word of God. If we don't have a, if we don't have a, a daily devotion where we are reading every single day, it's, it's, it's very different. We, we don't have a Christian. We don't have, a, we don't have a, a discipline for godliness. We're not exercising ourselves for godliness. Um, you could also prayer, you know, also prayer daily devotion um, is, is, is basically the same thing. Um, what's another thing? And there's so many things. We could just be here for days, you know, talking about what are the things that we need to do to exercise ourselves toward godliness. Another thing that we need, I'm just going to list a couple, is... Our schedule is setting our schedule uh, to, around God. It is is making sure that our schedule is 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 allowing us to spend time with God. I remember when I first when I first started um, kind of when God started first dealing with me about self discipline. Um, I was very undisciplined. I was very undisciplined in my reading, 
And I, I loved God, and I was, I was trying to, you know, to please God, and I was trying to read the Bible, and I was trying to, to pray and to see God, and, and, and I was trying, but it was very difficult. And, and, and I remember God was just dealing with me about this. And one of the things that I remember even driving, I just started working at the, the company where, where I work, and, you know, I was waking up very early in the morning, was not used to that at all, was not getting enough sleep. Because I was reading my Bible late at night, you know, and here, you know, I'm, you know, here I am sitting up, it's like 11, 12, and I'm reading Leviticus, you know, and I'm just like falling asleep, like I'm drooling on Leviticus, and, and it's just, it's, it's not a good thing, you know, and I'm like, God, I can't even, I can't even read your word, and I'm like, something's not right, you know, I need to change something, right? I need, and, and God started showing me that my time was just out of whack. There was nothing that I was, there was no good schedule. I, I did not have a discipline in, in my schedule. I had no idea what I was doing. And God started dealing with me. He started showing me that I had to discipline my time. My time I had to set that I have to read the Bible in the morning. And, and if maybe if I want to do some extra reading, I could do it at night too. But I have to read the Bible in the morning, and and you know, and I and I have to I have to build my schedule around you know around God, and I had to realize now today, man, I, I wish I had that extra time that I had before. Now I just don't have enough time. I would buy some time if I could, you know. It's it's that important because time. First of all, you know, time you can never get it back. Everything else you can you can get it back. You'll be forgiven for your sins. Time, you'll never be forgiven because once you waste it, it's gone. You know, time, we have to value. I had to learn that I've, today I value my time. You know, yeah, I, I can spend time, invest in it, but I don't want to waste it ever. I hate killing time or just kind of sitting there like, you know, watching YouTube videos or just, you know, wasting time and just like, oh, it's, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. But if I'm not spending quality time, I'm some something that I'm not feeling. I'm not feeling good. We have to make sure that we can we can set our schedule to fit uh, with what God is is wanting us to do. Um, I look at today. I read about uh, about John Wesley, and um, I I I, I kind of mentioned him before last time I was preaching. I mentioned him, but this was a man that um, man. Even all the things that he did, it's hard to even. I don't even know where to begin. He preached, I think I mentioned this before, he preached 40,000 sermons in his life. He traveled 250,000 miles. That's 10 times around the world. Uh, this guy, he preached at least two sermons a day for 50-something years. At least two sermons. Most He had to preach more to have 40,000. Um, this guy wrote like 5,000 pieces of article. He wrote hymns. Um, he started the Methodist Church. Uh, every single day, he would wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. He spent two hours in prayer. Um, he actually said that he didn't think anyone was, in, was important if they didn't spend four hours a day in prayer. Um, during the end of his life, he spent eight hours a day in prayer. Um, this is the guy that, that would wake up every day. His day was the same. He had a routine. I mean, this is like clockwork. Like, he would preach, he would drive somewhere, he would study, he would preach again, and it's like one thing after another, like, he spent like 17 hours a day doing something. And this guy was, was unreal. He went to sleep every single time from 9.30 to 10. He didn't miss it. He was 80-something years old, 
85 years old and he was still doing it. Like at 88, he was, he was slowing down. And that's when he, you know, started feeling sick and it was very, but he kept going. Uh, this is someone that, you know, I don't know, for me, I, I, I don't think I, I'm not, I'm not at that level, nowhere close. I don't think any of us are, but I look at that and I see this is someone that God used mightily. I mean, this guy uh, kind of, he almost, I can't say single-handedly because God was with him, but God used him to create a whole um, revival in England. And I mean, God used this guy mightily. And, and he, when he died, all he had left was six silver spoons to pay the people that were carrying his, his casket to, on his funeral. He had like a, a thing for his preacher gown. He had a um, couple books, a uh, Bible. Um, he had, what else did he have? He had the Methodist church that he started, a whole denomination um, and that's it. That's all he had. Everything that he made, he gave away. Everything. And, and I look at that and I'm like, man, this is someone that just God used mightily. And, and what is that? That's an example. You know, for me, that's such an example that we can, that we can, um, that we need to learn how to set our schedule so that we can live a life that pleases God. And, and there's so many other things. I'm actually going to read some of the things that he did. This is some of the things that he decided to do um, for, his, for his people. Now, this is no way, this, this doesn't, you know, save you, but this is something that, uh, this is kind of Christian, di- Christian disciplines. Um, individual practices, reading, meditating, studying the scriptures, praying, prayer, fasting, regularly attending worship, healthy living, sharing our faith with others, uh, regularly sharing in communion, Christian conferencing or accountability to one another, Bible study, doing good, work, doing good works, visiting the sick, visiting those in prison, feeding the hungry, giving generously to the needs of others, seeking justice, ending oppression and discrimination, um, addressing the needs of the poor, making disciples. This is one of his quotes. Make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. This is someone that just gave everything. He was, this is a life that is completely disciplined. I mean, completely disciplined for God. And there's so many things that we need to strive to discipline uh, our lives in. But why do we need to have self-discipline? What is the reason? I'm going to give us two things and and we'll be done. Um, Open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. You guys there? Who is still looking? Who is not looking at all? A couple of people. Okay, we got some honest people here. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. We're going to read from verse 10 down to verse uh, verse 15. He who ascended is Jesus. He who ascended is also the one who, oh, sorry, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave himself, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 
till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ. So why do we need to have self-discipline? What is the reason to discipline ourselves? What is the reason? Why do we need to exercise ourselves for godliness? One of the reasons is God calls us to spiritual maturity. God has called us to spiritual maturity. God wants us to be spiritually mature. He wants us to grow in the things of God. And it says for that, he gave gifts. He gave gifts to his church. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He gave them what for what? It says in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, there's some people, I don't know if you guys ever talk to people, that, um, you know, they're, they're Christians, but they don't go to church. You guys ever talk to somebody? I was talking with someone that, that's like that, and, and, and I was saying, no, you need to go to church. And he's saying, no, I don't really need to. And there's a verse came to me, and, and, and I, remember that, that, that it's, I remember that it said that God gave gifts to who? For the church. These are gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What are they for? Therefore, equipping the saints, the work of the ministry, edifying the body of Christ. These gifts are for the church. God gave these gifts to build us up, to, to build up our, our to, to, to build our maturity, to, to build us up, to, to spiritually mature us. God wants us. He gave us these gifts. He gave us these, these things. Why? So that we can grow, so that we can become mature. You know, they did a poll and they asked a bunch of Christians, they asked to give them, uh, to say, what kind of a Christian are they? Are they a mature Christian? Are they a, a carnal Christian? Are they a, a, a spiritual babe? Or what, you know, who are they? And this is a while ago, and, and, and they, the 95% of people that admitted it were either spiritually, they, they admitted that they're spiritual babes or they're carnal Christians. 95%. 95, think of that number. That's 19 out of every 20 Christians. 19 out of every 20 Christians admitted that they were not spiritually mature. They're either spiritual, infant, or they're a carnal Christian, which I'm not sure if a carnal Christian is Christian at all. I don't know. It's, I mean, is a, is, if they're carnal, does that, does that count as a Christian? I, we'll count it here, but, you know, the point is 19 out of 20 are not spiritually mature. Today, today we have a lot of believers that are not spiritually mature. But God has called us to spiritual maturity. God has called us to grow in the things of God, to, be, to become mature. He said He doesn't want us to remain as children. You know, people that grow up but still are children, it's like a disease. Um, people that, that, that they made this whole, like, they'll, they'll make a big deal. Somebody that's, you know, 17, but they look like they're like 8 years old, it's a, it's a, it's a, spirit, it's a disease that people have. It's something that's not allowing their body to actually mature. 
And, you know, people make a big deal. It's very rare. People make a big deal and they, you know, they get, you know, media gets involved and they start, look, you know, like, wow, what, 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 you know, what causes this person to be like this? It's not normal, right? Can you imagine if we had all the Christians that are, that are supposed to be, they're supposed to grow up and we, we had all the Christians that, that are not mature but are, have been Christians for 10, 20 years and we're like, oh, they're still a, a spiritual infant. Oh, let's, let's, you know, we're, we're going to make a big deal. Like, oh, they, they, they've been a Christian for 20 years, but they still don't know, you know, how to read uh, the New Testament. They, they still don't know all, any of the books of the New Testament. Man, they're just like, man, they're a spiritual babe. Like, wow, this is, this is crazy. They're supposed to grow up in God already. You know, what's wrong with them? You know, what if we did that with all the, with all the spiritual, you know, because you, you can be, you can be a, a spiritual babe. And have a beer. You know, you can, you can be a spiritual babe and be a grown-up. You could be a Christian 10, 20, 30 years and still be a spiritual infant. But God has called us to, to grow up, to mature spiritually. He gave us gifts. He gave us pastors, teachers. You know, we have our pastor. God has put him here so that he can help us to mature in God. God has given us, the church, many gifts. You know... The internet is, is a tool that could either be, you know, a very bad thing. It, you know, the internet can, it can destroy somebody, right? The internet can, can destroy someone's life. It can, it can really hurt somebody. Or it could be something that's good. You know, I've heard of so many sermons, so many teachings, so many books that we can get, that we have access to, to spiritually grow. There's so many great teachings, so many great... Um, you know, so many opportunities for us to grow in God. So many books uh, that we have that are available to grow in God. I, I can't even tell you how many things that I've read that have just helped me so much in my Christian walk. You know, books like uh, Why Revival Terry's by, by Leonard Ravenhill, Christian in Complete Armor. There's so many great books that help us to grow. There's so many great things that help us to mature. We've been, the church Listen, guys, us as a church, we've been given so many gifts. I mean, we're up to our eyeballs in, in, in great preaching and great teaching and understanding. And all you need to do is search a little bit. All you need to do is look online somewhere here in our church. You can find it. Not very difficult. You know, yeah, there are some bad preachers. There are some, um, you know, false teachers. And, and yeah, we need to be careful. And, and I, you know... There are things like if you're not sure, ask somebody you trust. Hey, is this somebody good? Can I trust this? But I remember when God, uh, when I started following God, God started showing me people like Joe Stockstill, uh, Leonard Ravenhill, David Wilkerson. I started listening to that. I started listening to these preachers. I started reading books. These things, they help us to grow in God. Yeah, the Bible is the first and most important thing. You know, listening to, to our pastor, to Dima, local, uh, you know, our church, that's the most important, that, that's where we're submitted. But outside also, there's so many great things, guys, that we can help ourselves to grow spiritually. So many great, um, God has given us so many gifts. We just need to, we need to, you know, search for them a little bit. And what else? So one of the reasons that we need to have self-discipline is because God calls us to maturity. What else is it that, why else do we need to have self-discipline? I'm going to open up, let's open up to the last place. Go to Romans. Romans chapter 13. 
Romans chapter 13, this is the last point and we're done. Romans 13, and um, we're going to start from verse 9, 9 and 10. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there's any other commandment, are all summed up in this one, in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So what is the point of the law? The point of the law in the Old Testament, uh, for, for now today we realize the law shows us that we're sinners. Okay, we understand that. But in the Old Testament, why did they have the law? What was the point? The point, it says, the love is the fulfillment of the law. So the point that the law was, was, was to bring them was to love God. That's what they, to love God and to love people. The first four commandments deal with God. The last six deal with people. So the first four, it, those, those commandments were given so that we can love God. Right? That's why they had the commandments. That's why they followed them. Because it's very difficult to love God if you're killing people. Or if you're committing adultery. You can't really love God because you're going against God. Okay, that's understandable. Self-discipline or living self-discipline. Why do we need to do it? The first reason is because God calls us to maturity. The second reason why is because God wants us to live a life where we love God. The purpose of this self-discipline, why do we need to go through all this hard work? Why do we need to sit here and listen to me talk about this? Why do we read our Bible in the morning? Why do we come to church? Why do we do all the things that we do? Have we ever asked, have, we ever, have you ever stopped and asked, what am I, why am I doing what, I'm, what, am I, what, what I am doing? Is there a reason for it? Is there a reason for me to do this? Why do, why do we come and worship? Why do we have worship and, and we lift up our hands and we, and we sing the songs? Why do we have times of prayer and fasting? Why do we do that? Is there a reason for it? Yeah, there is. Because we, this is a way that we can live our life so that we can love God. So we can please God, so that our life can be pleasing to God. God has orchestrated this. He's opened up to us this, this, this kind of this lifestyle that we can have. That if we live in this lifestyle, this allows us to walk with God. This lifestyle allows us to come close to God. You know, we, we want, we, we try to, um, we do these things. Why? Not just so that we can put a check mark and say, I read my Bible. Or yesterday I went to prayer service and I prayed. And, and I felt great. Why do we do that? It's so that we can live a life that, that we love God. That we love His Word. That we love, um, that, that, that we live in His presence. That we'll, we, we walk with Him. We talk with Him. We know Him. That's why we do what we do. That's why we read our Bible. That's why, that's why we, we get up early in the morning to read our Bible. That's why, that's why we come here and we listen. And, and, and we hear preaching and, and, and we listen. Because God wants us to live a lifestyle where He can walk with us, where He can talk with us, where His favor can be with us. A lot of people, they, they, think, they just think, oh, God is with me, and, and I'm just, I have every, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so close to God, and God is my buddy, you know, He's saying, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, He calls me friend. And, you know, there's, there's so many, like, like, people are like, man, I'm just... I, I know I, I, God loves me and He just wants the best for me. You know, God loves everybody, but that doesn't mean His favor is with everybody. You know, just because, just because you, you say that, 
you know, God is with me or, or, or I'm, I'm a child of God. If you don't live a life that, 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 that is pleasing to God, if we're not living a life that, that God is pleased with and he can walk with and he can talk with us, God, God has, God, God's favor is not going to be upon us. You know, it's, 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 it just doesn't happen. You know, if, if you're not, if, if, because God is a God of principles. And, and if we're not following those principles, he's not going to walk with us. You know, if we're, if we're living in sin, if we're living in, 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 you know, in compromise, he's not going to be, he's not going to be there. He's not welcome there. God is there where it says he inhabits the praises of his people. God is there where people want him. Amen. If you want God to be in your life, he's going to be there. If you don't want him there, if you buy your lifestyle, you, you don't have, uh, by your lifestyle, if we don't have um, a place where we can, uh, where, where, where we are true, where, where our life is, is allows the power of God in our life. God's not going to be with us if we, if we don't make room for him. He's not going to walk with us. So why do we do these things? Because God wants us to live a life that is pleasing to him, that, that, that where we can love him and we can be in, in freedom, in the joy of the Holy Spirit, have the freedom of God on our life. Amen. This is, this is something, you know, people are like, oh, well, why do we got to have all these rules and why do we got to do all these things? It's so that we can have a life that we're, where the freedom of God is. Because, you know what, we are a slave of righteousness. And only when we become a slave of righteousness where we can have true freedom. Only when we, it's like a train. You know, a train is free when it's on cement. No, when it's on the train tracks, right? When it's, when it's specifically going on the train tracks, that's when a train is free. Not when it's trying to go over cement. It's not going to go very fast. And so this is for us, a Christian, for Christians, when we have these things in our life, when we are disciplining ourselves spiritually, we are putting ourselves on the train tracks of God's spirit, right? Where we can, where we can have the, the freedom in our life that will take us where we need to go. And, you know, sometimes I feel like we lose sight of the fact that God is so great. I feel like sometimes we lose sight of the fact that God is such a good God. So I'm going to, this is the last, last scripture. Last scripture, this is Romans 11.33. Romans 11.33. This is a little bit behind. So it says here, or let's start from 32. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. And then 33, this is Paul saying, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. This is Romans, 11 chapters. What does the first 11 chapters of Romans, what does Paul talk about? He talks about theology, right? He, he breaks down, this is sin, and we are all sinners, and we're all supposed to go to, to hell, you know, because of those sins. But then came Jesus and he saved us. And he breaks it down for the first 11 chapters, right? He breaks down our, um, you know, this, this, this Christianity. He breaks it down. He makes it plain. And after 11 chapters of this, he, he just stops. And, and at verse 33, it's like, it's like he has a glimpse of God. It's like, it's like he has a vision or, I don't know, it's like he has a glimpse of God and he, he sees God and he's like, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him? And it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things. And to whom be glory forever. Amen. So he's, he stops and he's like, oh, wait a minute. God is so powerful. Wow. God is, the, he says both. He says, oh, the depth of the riches of the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God, how unsearchable are His judgments, His ways are past finding out. You know what's funny? I think it's so funny that today we try to find who God is. We try to explain God. Yeah, we're supposed to try to find God, but we try to explain God. We put God in a box. And we're like, this is God, and this is how he, and today there's so many debates, you know, is, uh, is, you know there's Calvinists, and there's Arminists, and there's, and there's, you know, pre-trib, or mid-trib, or post-trib, or when's Jesus coming back, and, and there's all these debates about, about Christianity, there's all these debates, and we try to figure God out. We try to figure, like, this is who God is, and, and, and there's so many debates, but wait a minute, doesn't it say that his ways are past finding out? Doesn't it say that his his how unsearchable are his judgments? We think we, we, we all think we're right. You know, everyone thinks they're right, and they're trying to argue their point. And but it says his ways are unsearchable. No, I, I agree. We we we're supposed to learn doctrine. And we're supposed to learn, you know, what is what is right. And we're supposed to know what we believe in, why we believe in. But it says his ways are past finding out. I'm confused. Are his ways past finding out, or we or or we got to debate and try to figure everything out? Uh, try to figure everything out. We try to put God in a box, but we got to realize God is such a great God, such a, such a mighty God. His ways are past finding out. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. His, his, you know, he, his ways are past finding out who has known the mind of the Lord. We don't know. We know so little of God. We know so little of his ways. But guys, this is what we're doing. We're trying to find who God is. Right? We're trying to find out. Sometimes we forget. Why do we do the things we do? Why do we, why do we come to church? Why do we do what we do? It's so that we can see God. It's so that we can see who He is. Who He really is. He's, his ways are, are amazing. You know, Jesus Christ, when He comes back, His eyes are, it says His eyes are like burning fire. His, his hair white as wool. You know, when we see Jesus, it's going to be amazing. That's why we do what we do. It's to, it's to see God. It's to know God. It's to know His ways. You know, let's not lose sight of, of, of the goodness, of the, of, the, uh, of the glory of God. Let's not lose sight of why we do what we do. Amen? Let's stand up right now. We're going to pray. And, you know, we talked tonight about, about just to discipline our, ourselves to, to live a life that is that is discipline and, and to live, uh, you know, to train ourselves for godliness. And let's ask the Holy Spirit that He would begin to work in us and that He would help us to train ourselves for godliness. We have a lot of things. I know I have a lot of things that I need to change, but we have a lot of things that, that, that we need to train ourselves in godliness. And let's just pray. Let's ask God, Lord, show me, God, help me to train myself for godliness.